want to say thank you to Sarah, Rebecca, and Peter for uh, bringing us back to some Old Testament style worship right there with the stringed instruments and the, and the horns. That was really awesome. Thank you for that. Um, I just want to introduce uh, my dear friend Caleb to all of you. Come on, Caleb! himself, but uh, if you get to know Caleb, you understand that he's got a, a dear passion for Cambridge Bibles, Amen. and he's got, uh, last I checked, like 20-something in his little uh, collection going, uh, but I also know that, that his love language is gifts, and so uh, I've decided that uh, just because he's a great friend, I wanted to give him uh, a gift, and uh, this Bible means a lot to me. And uh, I couldn't think of someone that would appreciate it more than Caleb. Uh, this is the Bible that I use for Bible studies to preach from. Uh, this was the, 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 my, my year one of ministry in Seattle Bible. Wow. 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 And, uh, so I wanted to give it to him. And I wrote a little inscription for him here. Nice. says, Dear Caleb, this is the Bible I used for the first year of ministry when we planted the Seattle church. Being from the Pacific Northwest yourself, I can't think of too many others who would appreciate this Bible as a gift more than you. Please know that we in the PNW churches are committed to laying a foundation of solid disciples who will evangelize our entire area. Please keep us in your prayers and continue to visit. Who knows? Perhaps the Lord will blow you and Liz back here one day by the Holy Spirit. Thanks for being a great friend and brother. We're family by God's amazing grace. Let's give it up. Caleb's going to preach the word. Incredible stuff, guys. Amen. If we can open up to 1 Thessalonians 1. Amen. So incredible. Thank you so much, Joel, right there, for that encouraging gift. Oh, man. I do love Cambridge Bibles. Uh, small side nugget here for you. Cambridge Bible's oldest Bible, uh, Bible publishing company in the world. Um, so they have a lifetime warranty and all oh, that good oh, stuff. Cool. You know, I don't want to get too geeky on you. But anyway, guys, uh, again, happy Father's Day to all the fathers out here, guys. It's such an honor to be with you. Uh, for some of the other fathers that are even here in the in the church here with us, I've already felt the fatherly love from. Uh, we had, I just want to shout out to to the Irwins. Jerry actually hosted me at his house the other day. He's just been much of a father to me, even right here. Joel was even a father to me. He took me to the Mariners game, took me out to dinner, hung out with me. Uh, and then even right right now, I mean, even Peter got super soulful right there. I think he touched the nooks and crannies in my soul with that song. Oh, man. I mean, I just felt it. Did you feel that right now? I mean, I forgot about how hot it was in the room. I just completely thought about how soulful that was. Uh, and then we got to go pray outside before we, we came up here and preached. And, of course, my, my father-in-law, Liz's dad... Uh, we have we have our dear brother Juan back here. Yeah. Uh, he's been such a great father to me. He's had many very endearing talks with me, making sure I protect his daughter, amen. Uh, but just overall, very loving, always welcoming me in their home and cooking me my favorite food, authentic soap-based Mexican food. Amen. Yeah. Uh, very awesome to be at Father's Day this morning. I got to talk on to my old old uh, old pop on the phone this morning as well, and just gave him a call. We talked about 15, 20 minutes, and he's super old-fashioned. He opens his cards on on the very morning of, of Father's Day. He waits, you know, 
Uh, he doesn't believe in like you know opening presents early before Christmas either. Uh, my mom's the exact opposite though. Like as soon as it comes in the mail, she's opening it. If it's four days early, she's opening it. Amen. So my dad's a bit old fashioned, but it was very very awesome. Uh, and I think I would love to make some kind of a spin and twist in order to honor all the fathers here this morning in the lesson. Uh, I've simply entitled our lesson, Like Father, Like Son. Nice. Like Father, Like Son. And we will talk about imitation this morning. We'll talk about imitating, yes, uh, the first century church leader, Paul, as he, of course, said in, in Corinthians, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Yeah. Uh, we will imitate Jesus Christ himself. But I think we can pull a lot out of uh, First Thessalonians. A little bit about this uh, book here. Uh, first Thessalonians was written from Corinth by Paul in 51 A.D. Paul had sent Timothy to actually strengthen and encourage this very church here. And Acts 3.6 tells us that when Timothy returned to Paul with this report about the church, it was then that Paul was inspired to write his first letter to this incredible church. And that's where we get 1 Thessalonians, and we'll pick it up in chapter 1. Um, and we'll pick it up here in chapter 1, starting in verse 2. Chapter 1, verse 2. We always thank God for all of you, mentioning you in our prayers. We continually remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by the hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 4. For we know, brothers loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit, and with deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord. In spite of severe suffering, you welcomed the message with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. And the Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has become known everywhere. Is that incredible or what? We'll talk a little bit about imitation today as imitating like father, like son. And we see we can get our first point from verse 6. It talks about they became imitators of them and the Lord in spite of severe suffering. Point 1, imitate in spite of severe suffering. Come on. Imitate in spite of severe suffering. You know, you've heard the, the phrase before, imitation is suicide. Mm. You ever heard that before? Yeah. The whole world's trying to sell us something that you need to be your own person and believe your own things and, and make up some kind of fantasy world that comforts yourself. And yet in the scriptures, we see one model, one way, yes. one truth, one life. Right. And, on. and it, it, sounds, it sounds crazy when you come in here. And, and we, we're going to tell everybody who came from different backgrounds, from all nations, to act like one person. It sounds a bit backwards. Are you with me right here? Yeah. And that's exactly what Paul actually commended them for. He wasn't trying to teach this. He commended them for doing it, right? Yeah. In spite of severe suffering, which, amen. In severe suffering is usually the hardest time to think. Clearly, it's usually the hardest time to be in check emotionally. It's the hardest time to be able to rationalize spiritually. So many things about being in severe suffering, it just it doesn't cause you to be on your A game. You with me right here? Yeah. Overall, though, I think living in the United States, do we really know what it really means to suffer? I think that's where the really question comes. Like some, I mean, some can maybe think, hey, you know what? You've actually been through some severe trials, and I'm not here to not validate or devalidate some of our actual suffering. But I think many can come and complain. You know, we, we can come into a minimum wage job complaining, not realizing that there are people who get paid less than $2 a day around the world. Right. Yeah. And, and I mean, I'm sorry that someone forgot to put in the extra pump of vanilla in your latte. It's, it's not suffering. It's, it's <laughs> someone tainted. It's all right. It's not suffering. But in spite of severe suffering, imitate. I, I wonder what that means. In spite of severe suffering, to call them to imitate. Now, you think about this specific 
it's being sympathy, there's imitation, and there's suffering. Without these two things, what what purpose is there to really be in the kingdom? Mm-hmm. If we, why, why would I come to church if there was no such thing as suffering? Right. If we lived in a perfect, awesome, good world. Yeah. Why would I need a savior? Why would I need any kind of hope? Now, okay, so there's the suffering. We know there's suffering. We know there's darkness in the world. But but here's the one that not a lot of people like is is what's the way out of suffering? It's imitation of someone who is strong or somebody who knows the way out. Hebrews 4 says that's Jesus Christ. Yeah. Incredibly, in verse 6, it says, notice this. It says, you became imitators of us and the Lord. And then I'll say it, guys. There's a false doctrine out there that says, listen, hey, you know, I, I, uh, I, I follow, you know, Jesus Christ. And I follow Jesus Christ. That's the spirit that's in my leader. And it's just that's just not what the Bible says here. It says, imitators of us. And the Lord. I mean, was it a sword for the Lord and a sword for the spirit that was inside of Gideon and, you know, went to the Lord? No, it was a sword for the Lord and a sword for Gideon. So there's obedience and trust and compliance to our leaders in order to to show reverence to our sovereign Lord. To understand that that 1 John says, listen, you you can't love the God whom you have not seen if you don't love the brother whom you have seen. The love and the obedience you have for the physical peers around you is a reflection of your actual obedience in your heart towards God. Is that intense? And so, guys, there's going to be suffering that's going to come on. And, and the, really the call here is not about, not about like, hey, if you suffer, it's when you suffer, right? right. So when you suffer, the call back right here is to go back to just that imitation. Right. When you look at this, he actually commends them because of this imitation. The church started to really grow, yeah. and their faith become, became known everywhere. Yeah. So what, what, do you, what can you say about a church that's not growing? What can be said about a church that's not growing? At the end of the day, it's... Maybe there's good-hearted people there, but at the end of the day, it's just a, a group of people who, at the end of the day, are composed together, all doing their own thing. Yeah. They're all doing their own thing. And you think you're part of a unified church, and we are part of a unified church. I don't sense any any quarreling. I don't sense any shenanigans in this church at all. I mean, all of your hearts are, are, are refreshing me. It's awesome to be here. I don't, I don't sense any contempt. But I think, you know, you can be a unified church, but just be unified on the wrong thing. I just pray that we're not all unified on independence this morning. But I can feel that a little bit. I'll be honest. I, I can feel that because here's the kicker. If Joel and Courtney are our leaders here in the Sabbath Church, and Joel didn't pay me. He, I mean, he didn't tell me to talk about this. I just think it's in the scriptures, and I feel like I need to talk about this. So there was no hidden conversation like, oh, Joel, what about this? No, I'm dead serious. So Joel and Courtney are the leaders here. So let me, let me put it as simple as this. Every man needs to look like Joel, and every woman needs to look like Courtney. That's serious. Yeah, awesome. Come down to the aesthetics. Come down to how you lead the Bible study, how you lead the song, how you preach, everything. And it sounds like crazy. Like, man, this is a weird church. It's a weird church. They're going to tell people to be like the leaders. That's what the Bible says to do. Yeah. Because yeah. these people are, are the Lord's anointed. They're following God. They're, they're following Christ. And, and in, in order to show our obedience to Christ, we too, even in spite of severe suffering, got to call ourselves to imitate. Amen? Amen. 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 I think the fatal mistake many of us can do, and I've made this before, is... Trying to find your comfort zone in the kingdom. Mm. Trying to find a happy routine in the church. But according to this scripture, if you don't imitate, and if you don't suffer, eventually you're going to find your happy routine outside of the church. When a church isn't growing, it's simply because at the end of the day, there's a few people trying to work really hard, and a lot of people are doing their own thing. Mm. There's some people who share their faith, and other people that have better things to do. Mm. As a family, we believe that every disciple should be fruitful. 
As a family, we are a sold-out discipling movement. And I think, hey guys, we got some awesome sold-out things. We are sold-out zeal movement for sure. Right? We are the sold-out singing movement. We're the sold-out dating relationship movement. We're the sold-out purity movement. We are the sold-out evangelism movement. We're the sold-out Bible study movement. But how about the sold-out discipling movement? Remember Matthew 28? Teach them to obey everything, including imitate me. As 1 John 2 says, says, 1 John 2, 6, anyone who claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. He doesn't want us to reinvent the wheel and bring in our own flavor and own taste. He just wants you to do it just like him. And right now, our leaders, Joel and Courtney, are back from the Seattle church. Amen? I want to redefine what it means, guys, to be fruitful here. Because we do this, he says, if we do this, you're going to be incredibly fruitful. I just want to re, 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 make sure to remind us what it really means to be fruitful. Sometimes I thought it was like, man, I got to meet the person, I got to study the Bible with them, I got to buy them a Bible, I got to take all the notes, I got to do all this, and unless I do that, I'm not fruitful. You never thought like that before? Yeah. Yeah. Amen. It's just me, I'm crazy. Amen. <laughs> but I thought about that, and I was like, man, I really, we got to really redefine this here. If you decide to imitate your leader, and if you decide to really, in spite of severe suffering, just hold to these key teachings here. Let's redefine this. If you reach out to the person and they get baptized, you're fruitful. If you lead the study, you're fruitful. If you take the notes in the study, you're fruitful. If you bring the coffee to the Bible study, you're fruitful. If you open up your home for the Bible study, you are fruitful. If you pick the person up for the study, you're fruitful. If you hang out with the person outside of the Bible studies, you're fruitful. If you have quiet times with them and teach them how to share their faith, you are fruitful. At the end of the day, guys, whatever effort you made into that lost soul, you're fruitful. That's right. The question you got to ask yourself is, hey, is getting fruitful really hard? Is being fr- I mean, it's pretty hard not to be fruitful, according to that. I mean, yeah. you think about all that. Like, all you got to do is, hey, guys, I'm here to take some notes. Like, hey, guys, I got the venti coffees. We're ready to go. I mean, all you got to do is, is you just got to show up. You just got to be a disciple. You just got to imitate your You just got to show up. But if you're MIA, you can't be fruitful. Right. You're doing your own thing, you can't be fruitful. That's right. But how many of us want to be a part of a fruitful church this morning? Yes. Right. Well, good news. You are a fruitful church. Come on. Amen. Good news. You're a part of a fruitful church. All we got to do is go bear the fruit and go reap the fruit and the harvest that we have not sown. Amen. Amen. We all need to imitate our leaders because they know how to do it best. I think about this British commando prayer. Found in the pocket. There's little sentiments in the military. People put sentiments in their pockets. And uh, at the end of a, of a war, at the end of a battle, there's somebody who goes and collects the sentiments from each of the soldiers' pockets in order to bring them back to their family members. And there was a prayer that I think could really, really highlight what it means to go through suffering here. There's a prayer found in one of these soldiers' pockets. It said this, I'm asking you, my God, to give me what you have left. Give me those things which others never ask of you. I don't ask you for rest, and I don't ask you for tranquility. I don't ask you for wealth, or success, or even health. All those things are so asked of you so often, surely you can have none of them left to give. Give me instead, Lord, what you have left. Give me what others do not want. I want uncertainty, and I want doubt. I want torment, and I want battle. And I I ask that you give them to me and forever, Lord, so that I can be sure to always have them. Because I won't always have the strength to ask again. Give me also courage and the energy and strength and the spirit to face them. I ask you these things, Lord, because I cannot ask them of myself. Truly someone begging for suffering. And it's so interesting because today we live in a society that literally wants to do anything they possibly can to get out of suffering as fast as possible. As soon as bad thing comes in your life, as soon as suffering comes in your life, literally there is self-help books to figure out how to get out out of emotional pain. 
how to do these things so fast. And you, and not knowing that God is so sovereign, He brought something in your life for you to learn something from it. Right. And, and really, when God doesn't actually hear you asking Him to take away your suffering. He, I mean, when you say, God, help me not to suffer anymore, I'm suffering. He doesn't hear, God, help me not to suffer anymore. He, what, you know what God hears? He hears, hey, take away all these problems so that I don't need you anymore. Yay. That's what He hears. And so your leaders, your, your people in your life, who are the examples in your life, are going to be the very people leading you to Christ right here. And so in those severe sufferings, you got to cling to that suffering, learn from that suffering, love that suffering, love that pain, love the battle, and imitate your leader so that we can be just like Jesus Christ. Amen. We go on to point two, chapter two, verse eight. Chapter two, verse eight says, we love you so much. That we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. And surely we got some of those disciples here in the church. I appreciate the Irwins again hosting us, amen. They shared their lives with us a bit. Verse 9. Surely you remember, brothers and sisters, our toil and our hardship. We worked night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preached the gospel of God to you. Wow. Point number two. Imitate in order not to be a burden. Imitate in order not to be a burden. You know, it's so interesting. I've been, I've been studying out Isaiah and Jeremiah in my quiet times. And this morning I actually read in Jeremiah 42. And it was so exciting because I love to, even on Sunday mornings, I love to have my own quiet time and really connect with God yes. in my relationship. And, and then also work on my sermon separate. Um, but I was so glad I did. I mean, there's been mornings I tanked tonight and I just specifically went and worked on my lesson. But I couldn't believe it. I'm so glad I did because in the, in the chapter, one of the chapters of my quiet time this morning, there was a verse that totally went with, with this passage right here. To imitate in order not to be a burden. And in Jeremiah 42, 6, it actually says, whether it is favorable or unfavorable, we will obey the Lord. Whether it is favorable or whether it's unfavorable, we will obey the Lord. Which means what? If people aren't willing to take, guys, if people aren't willing to take the, the burden of obedience upon you, if you're not willing to take the burden of just obeying Christ, obeying your leaders, if you're not willing to take that burden upon you of obedience, then by default, you're going to make everyone else feel the burden of your disobedience. Yeah. That simple. The, the burden's there. Somebody's got to take it. So if you disobey, so everyone else is going to feel it. If you obey, you take it upon yourself. But thank God you have imitated, you know, you have people to imitate. 1 John 2, 6, again, does say, whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. We imitate the suffering of Christ. I don't see Jesus anywhere negotiating. He was completely surrendered to the will. He was completely surrendered to any kind of suffering he went to. And, and I imagine the burden we would all feel of going to hell if Jesus didn't obey. Wow. That would be quite the burden. We would feel it. But one man obeyed, yeah. took on the burden, and so therefore, we don't have to worry about it. Right. And that's why we have grace. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. I, I, would, I would much rather sit in this, this cozy room here for just 45 minutes than burn in hell. Amen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm very grateful. I'm totally down. <laughs> to talk about hard work. It says that they work night and day in order not to be a burden. So the leadership was working hard in order not to be a burden to the people. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. So the people worked hard to set an example. Hebrews 13, 17 says, Obey your leaders in order not to be a burden to them and to make their work a joy. So I look at that mathematically. Obeying your leaders makes their work a joy. Yeah. What's the opposite? How could you not make your your leaders work a joy? How could you make it a burden? By disobedience. Right. That's it. 
And I mean, all we're talking about is like, we just want to be just like our Father, and we want it to be said about us that it's just like our Son. We just want to be just like Christ. Yeah. People come in here, I don't want people to say, wow, that's an awesome group of people who got it going on. I want people to come in here and say, wow, like, there's a lot of Christians in there. There's a lot of people who are serious. They all look the same. They're all talking the same. They're all saying that word cranking. They're all saying amazing. They're all singing the same songs. They're all super zealous. Yeah. You guys got to understand, because of imitations, the disciples were first called Christians. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Because they imitated Christ so much yeah. that they, they were called Christians. I can't wait until all the brothers start getting called Little Joel. You know what I mean? I can't wait. I can't wait. Look at the comparison. Joel and Danny Granger. Right? Someone comes in and says, are you Joel? Like, no, I am not Joel. You know? But, but there's, there's that attitude, even if you get on the phone with somebody, if you hear her speaking and you're not looking, you're like, oh, that sounds a lot like Joel. You'll go over to Danny. That's the amount of imitation that the church had here in order not to be a burden to anyone. Come on. You know, I think the rest of your life you're going to be told to go make disciples. The rest of your life, get used to it. Like, get used to it. Like, man. You're going to get told, hey guys, go make disciples. Hey guys, we're going to, you know what we're going to do this week? We're going to go make disciples. Yeah. Hey, good news. You know what we did last week? We made disciples. Uh, hey guys, check out the, your calendar this next year. It's super exciting. Got some great events planned up. We're going to make some disciples. So, um, you know, until Jesus comes back, great news, guys. We have our, I mean, this is a church who has it together. We have a, a year calendar built out until Jesus comes back. Make disciples. Wow. It's pretty awesome, right? In order not to be a burden. And you're going to get told that the rest of your life. And there might be a point in time where you get a little bit tired of hearing that. There's going to be a point in time where, where you don't, that, it doesn't hate you the same way. And so then you're going to need someone to come in and inspire you on how to make disciples. Come on, bro. What about after you've been told to make disciples and you've been inspired how people have implemented and, and, and tried to go in there, then you're going to have people come along and tell you why you're not making disciples. Mm. And those are going to be the people you really love the most. Yeah. There's going to be people who tell you what to do, tell you how to do it. But then there's people who get in your heart and tell you why you're not doing it. Yeah. Guys, think about this. If every single disciple here could just disciple one more person by the GLC to convert and baptize and, and, and disciple one more person each, all 54 of you, the church in Seattle would be over 100 disciples. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Do we have I mean, other people that are fruitful in this church? Come yeah. on. Yes, yeah. I think so. So if we imitate them, if we imitate them, only then will we see the true fruit. So, so I just want to be the brother of, of, of love for you guys. I want to see you guys grow. And so, I'm not, yeah, I'm going to tell you to make disciples. You're going to learn how, but I want to tell you why. You're not imitating that much. Come on, bro. You're not imitating. you got to look exactly like your leaders. you got to put that discipler in your life. Think about children. It's like about fathers, amen? So, don't, I'm not a parent yet. I can't wait to be one. Uh, Liz and I, and we'll talk about that later. Uh, we're going to come up on some kids later. We'll see. But, but, I mean, think about children, though. Think about children. I think one of the coolest things about children is the fact that they look like their parents. You know what I mean? And don't you love that parent? Maybe you can validate this for me. Looking at that little soft head of greatness. This is me. And then you're like, I see me in you. you do you see me in you? They're like, uh. But But you see you in them, right? And honestly, guys, that's what it's like to raise children up in the Lord. That's what it's like to convert people. Is at the end of the day, guys, I love hanging out with other people's kids. But and I love seeing them and saying hi to them. But I don't feel responsible for them in the matter of because at the end of the day, it's, maybe it's not my kid, right? So it's not my kid. I'm not. I don't. I made it. It's your kid. Your diaper. Not me. Amen. It's your diaper there. Amen. But but amen. But when I get my own kids, there will be an overwhelming responsibility that comes with that. Right. Because I see myself in them. That's my offspring. I I I did this. We yeah. did this. Like this is this is from us. This is from me. Like 
And there's going to be a huge responsibility. So what happens? What happens when you don't see yourself in your disciples? What happens when you don't see yourself? What happens when you don't see yourself in your discipler? Where's the responsibility? There could be no responsibility at the end of the day. You'll be okay if people are doing bad spiritually. You'll be okay if people's needs aren't met. But could any of us settle for our children not doing okay? We, we couldn't do it, but that's why we're family, guys. That's yeah. why this church is, is a movement flourishing all over the world. It's because there's people who don't understand family. There's people who are abandoned out there. There's people who are lonely out there. And we have every single walk of life. We have older people, younger people, middle-aged people, different walks, different backgrounds, different ethnicities, different cultures, different things to offer to the table. And we're all supposed to imitate one another right. in order to go make some more disciples. Amen? Amen. Amen? At the end of the day, it's just time to get some serious hard work going. Come on, bro. I think... Our movement has not been built on good intentions. It's been built on hard work. It's been built on imitation. No one, no one who builds on good intentions can really get anywhere. That's true. Let's be honest, guys. The whole denominational world has got great intentions. They're like, we're going to go here. We want to go there. And the whole 90% of the world is saying, I'm going to. We're actually doing it. Right. We're actually going there. Do you guys realize that you actually sacrificed and you're planning a church in Columbus, Ohio? out in China, in Hong Kong, China. You guys have to go there. You're actually doing it. Yeah. We're not talking about a world evangelism. We're doing world evangelism. Yeah. We're taking the burden upon ourselves. Yeah. Come on, We're bro. taking this burden off to evangelize the world because someone's got to do it and it's right. going to be us. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Come on. You know, I, I, I just, I think so much about my relationship with my own father. I think so much it's about my own life and when I haven't honored my own dad, you know, I've been trying to fight for my dad. I've been trying to go after my dad to, to make him into a disciple. I so desperately wanted to be a disciple and be a part of our family. And I think I allowed my heart to get sour there for a while. Because I started to think about the former sins of his past. And I started to think about things that we had in our upbringing. And it really hardened my heart. And I think I forgave him to be saved. But I didn't forgive him for him. I didn't, he didn't, in no way did he feel my forgiveness. And, and, it, and I'll be honest, it, it took a burden on him. I can imagine if you're a father out there, if your kids just don't want to talk to you, if your kids are ticked off at something you did and you, you had sin and, and your kids don't want to talk to you, they don't want to be a part of your life, they, they don't respect you, they don't love you. Oh, I mean, I, you can imagine how I would feel. Yeah. I, I finally clicked into that just this last year. Like, wow, I can only imagine the burden my dad feels from my disobedience. Wow. I had a burden on my own heart. Because bitterness, it, it's it's a snake that is it, it's a snake that bites, but it doesn't bite the person you want it to. It just it takes it out on other people. It doesn't go where you want it. It's, I mean, could we really control it? If I were to take a snake and say, I'm gonna I'm bitter at Danny. I'm gonna throw this snake out at Danny, and, and it's like going it's going towards him, and then it takes a turn and it goes and bites Joel. Right. And then it, and then it takes a turn and it goes all the way in the back and it bites Stevie. And it's just going to go all over the place because, because if I don't deal with my own problems and I want to take something out on someone, it right. never usually goes to that someone. Right. Right. And so I'm trying to, I'm trying to like, I don't know what I was trying to do, guys, with my dad. I don't know what I was trying to do to make him feel that he was a bad father. I don't know. I don't know. But I had to go after my repentance this year. And just, yeah. I look at the scriptures and it says, I'm not going to live long if I don't honor my father and my mother. Yeah. Wow. This is real Come stuff. On. Spiritual dad or not. And I'm like, wow. Mm. I, I'm starting to feel like starting to feel awful. I'm feeling this heavy burden on me because I have not been honoring my father. Yeah. So I had to go back to him. Just these past couple months, I've just been going after calling him more, seeking his advice, just telling him I appreciate him, thinking about through memories together. Because at the end of the day, he felt the burden, but I felt the burden, and Liz started to feel the burden. 
And, and my other leaders started to feel the burden. And my other people started to feel the burden. Because at the end of the day, I'm walking around with dead weight. Yeah. And I just pray that all of us can wipe away that this morning. Yeah. Whatever burden's holding you back, I pray that you can drop it. I, I pray that you can imitate someone else who has dropped it. Yeah. Please don't 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 tank it like I have. Please don't don't carry that long because because yeah. that's the kind of stuff that takes people out. Yeah. 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 You with me right here? I'd rather yeah. fall on the rock than be crushed by the lungs. Yeah. 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 I'd rather fall on the rock and get some brokenness, amen. I'd rather fall right on Jesus, but I don't want to get crushed by my own sin. I don't want my own sin and my own burden to take me out yeah. spiritually. Let's close out with point three. Go to chapter three, verse eight. Verse seven. Chapter three, verse seven. Point one was imitate in spite of severe suffering. Point two was imitate in order not to be a burden. We'll pick up point three in verse seven and eight. Verse seven. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in all of our distress and persecution, we were encouraged about you because of your faith. For now we can really live since you are standing firm in the Lord. Point three, for now we can really live. Nice. For now we can really live. You know, when the whole church is all imitating one another, when the whole Seattle church is completely strong in the, north, in, in the Lord, man, now I can really live. Come on, bro. And that's truly what it should be said is, is we see from this passage right here, guys, if somebody's not really living, it's because they're not really imitating. Wow. It also makes it clear in verse 8 here when it says that, man, when the leadership looks down and says we can really live because you're standing firm in the Lord, and it tells us that true leaders can't live until their people are truly strong in the Lord. That's right, bro. I mean, does it, does it keep you up at bed at night when someone in the church and someone in the family is not doing good spiritually? Yep. Does, it, does it hurt you? Does it, do you feel that, that a burden upon your heart? As Paul said, listen, who is weak and I do not feel weak? Who's led into sin and I do not inwardly burn? Yep. That's right. And notice he did say inwardly burn. It doesn't get ticked off outwardly. He right. burns inwardly because Satan's deceiving that person. It doesn't mean that you go lash out and you're ticked off at people because they're in sin. Come on. He feels it because he saw them as their his children. Yes. Come on. Just like a father, like a mother sees their own kids. And only then could he really live. You know, I think about Jesus Christ. And I think about the example of him. You know, somebody's really living if they love what they're doing. That's right. When you love what you're doing, you're truly living. Yeah. I mean, look, don't get me wrong. Let's, I, don't, I hope none of us came here to just exist this morning. <laughs> I hope you're not. I mean, some of the brothers' households might be feeling like they're surviving. Amen. So I don't want any of us to be surviving. You're just existing. I want us all to live this morning. Yeah, I want us to be able to live, to be able to experience true life and life to the full. Come yeah. on, brother. I think Jesus Christ is a perfect example. He yes. loves what he was doing. Yeah. Luke 13, 22 says, Jesus went through the towns and villages teaching as he made his way to Jerusalem. Many people don't catch it. I didn't catch it until this last year. But do you notice what just happened right there? It says Jesus went through the towns and villages teaching as he made his way to Jerusalem. So Jesus shared his faith on his way to evangelize. You know what I'm saying? That's intense. I mean, it's like he's just sharing on his way to campus. You know what I mean? He's sharing it all, he was sharing his faith on the way to campus. I mean, he was rolling down windows, you know, and saying what's up. You know, I mean, you know, he was just all over it. He right, loved yeah. what he was doing. Yes. That's there wasn't a moment where Jesus was like, man, should I have came down here? You know what I mean? What am I doing here? These people are derelicts. I don't like this anymore. No, he loved it. He absolutely loved what he was doing. Yeah. You just got to ask yourself a question. Do you absolutely love what you're doing right now? Come on, okay, bro. Do you love what you're doing right now? If you don't love it, change it. You have the power to do that. You have the power to actually change your life circumstance. 
for God's glory, right? right. So not for your own, amen, but before God's glory, so now we can really live. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, if you don't love what you're doing, it's time to change what you're doing. Right. Because I'm telling you what, if you don't love what you're doing, you'll start to point fingers. Mm-hmm. And for the sake of not blaming God, like Job 1, you might blame it on the church. For, for maybe not blame it on the church, you might blame it on your disciple. Maybe you just do the old-fashioned 1980s you know, dating breakup line, it's not you, it's me. Right. You'll start to get crazy if you don't love what you're doing. You're going to try to find something else to satisfy you. I just pray that what you love is in God's kingdom and it's in God's church. Come on. All of us are here to live the life that Christ wanted us to live. Amen. You know, to close out, in spite of severe suffering, point one, in spite of severe suffering, Jesus stuck to his convictions and he was beaten, he was flogged, and then he was crucified. And all the apostles imitated Jesus Christ and they too kept the faith in spite of severe suffering. All of them, except for John, were martyred. Jesus was a conservative, frugal, minimalistic man. And he trained his disciples to work super hard and to dust off their feet in order not to be a burden to anyone. John 6.53 says, Jesus says, Unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in you. Romans 6 reassures us that in baptism, we take responsibility and we participate in Jesus' death and we are then covered in his blood. And for that, now we can really live. In yeah. point one, if you take the S from in spite of severe suffering. Point two, if you take the O from in order not to be a burden. And take the N from point number three. For now, we can really live. You get some. When we come before God's great throne one day. Hebrews 4 says that we can approach his throne with confidence. Yeah. Yeah. And I believe we will have such a confidence. Simply because we knew that we lived our lives with such an imitation that it could be said that we lived our lives like Father, like Son. Happy Father's Day. God bless you.